Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What up? Welcome back to another episode of GLE. Today, we've got the bearded wonder himself, Travis Davis. Welcome back, brother. Hey, thanks for having me back. You know, for those of you who don't know, Travis, it's not his first time on GLE. Um, if you want to check out his first episode, you can go back to number 57. Had a really good conversation, covered all sorts of stuff. I won't redo his full bio, uh, but Travis is a successful investor, entrepreneur. He's bought and sold businesses. Um, and in additional, addition to owning, operating several businesses, he, he's got a bomb-ass YouTube channel called My Big Dumb Life. And he wants to help you get rich with a focus on business and investing. And uh, Travis is the first repeat guest we've had on GLE. It's an honor, brother. Welcome back. I was going to ask that. I didn't know if I was the first or not. But uh, I you appreciate the first, it. Man. Back. Well, I wanted. Awesome. I had all these questions about like business and and um, some other business questions. We kind of went on some tangents. I was I was interested last time in like adoption and some of the other things you had going on personally, yeah. which were, were kind of interesting to me as well. But um, you've really taken off with this YouTube channel, man. Why don't you, if you don't follow him, go go subscribe to my big dumb life YouTube channel. He's got some really good content. Let's maybe start off with how, how did you get into the whole YouTube thing? And, and uh, you know, I really have been impressed with your storytelling and, and kind of the way you've done your videos. Well, I appreciate that. Um, so, YouTube. So I've always had like just a fascination with YouTube. I love YouTube. Um, and I watch a lot of channels. I, I watch YouTube basically instead of TV and I, I just think it's great. And so there was that. And then maybe about a year ago, um, a local university, uh, Texas state university where I live, they have a, uh, a course on basically like how to be an entrepreneur, business owners, things like that. And they ask people to come in and speak, tell their story, answer questions, you know, all that kind of thing. And um, they asked me a couple of times and historically I have been like a super private person. So it's like a total 180, what I'm doing now. And um, I, I had told him no. And um, the teacher, she asked me a few times and, and, just over the course of time thinking about it, you know, I kind of remembered how it felt when that switch had been flipped for me. Um, when I first realized, you know, this could be a thing I could go start a business. I could, you know, because we're kind of groomed from an early age to make safe decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, like safe, like air quote safe, right. Um, <laughs> right. go to college, get a, get a job, you know, like Lim limited corporate, decisions. corporate ladder. Yeah. And, um, and so I could remember the conversation that flipped that switch for me. And I thought, you know, it'd be pretty cool to 
to do that for somebody else. So I said, okay, I'll come, I'll come be a guest speaker. And the teacher, she told me, um, she said, well, because of COVID and everything, we're asking people to actually just open a Zoom and just record an hour, uh, which is an hour is a long time. That like when you're just like trying to yeah. by yourself I to had, just talk at no a screen. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. And um, and she's like, just record an hour, um, just talk about your story, business, like just whatever you want to talk about um, related to business and, and, and that sort of deal. And she said, if you could do like two of them and I'm like, Oh, two hours. And, um, and she's like, yeah. And I, I said, okay. And so I kind of stalled for like a month, yeah. you know, I'm like, what am I going to talk about for two hours? You know? Yeah. And, um, and then one day, um, I just locked myself in my office and just sat down and started kind of telling my story to the camera for an hour. And then I, I took a break and I recorded another hour and, uh, and they were awful. It was so bad. Um, <laughs> and I didn't know how to edit. I had never edited a video at all. I didn't know anything about any of this. And, um, when I went to send it to her, the file was too big and it kept like rejecting the email. Yeah. And so I was like Googling and it said, well, if you put it into a YouTube video, you can send it really easily. And yeah. I was like, send the link. This is like a convenient excuse, right? <laughs> and so I, I put it, I put it into a YouTube format and I sent it to her. Yeah. And like a couple of weeks went by. I didn't really think about it again. And I thought it was great because I didn't have to, I didn't have to actually speak in front of a class. Like I just recorded it. It's done. And so one day um, I was out working, I was driving around. I pulled into like a subway to get a sandwich and the teacher texted me and she's like, Hey, would you like to see the feedback that the class gave? And I said, yeah, yeah, I would love to see that. And um, I went in and got my sandwich. And while I, while I was getting it, I got an email from her. So I went and I sat in my, my car and I started reading these, um, these, uh, it was like a, uh, they, she made, she made them like, it was a formatted thing. They had to answer in a certain way, right? They had like how a did, survey of how to, yeah. Know. Like how did this video affect you? What was right. your take from it? Yeah. And like every one of them was like, Travis is so relatable. And the way he says things is like on my level and I just loved it and, and stuff. And, and there was a few that were like, this was super duper helpful. And, and, you know, and like, I got these are university level, reading. university level. Yeah. And, and we're talking like 80 to hundred students. Yeah. Submitted feedback. I'm just reading, I'm just reading through them. Yeah. And, um, I got teared up reading them Boy. and I was like, I can't believe like me sitting down for an hour recording this like really bad video. Um, went over this well like what if i actually put a little bit of effort into this right mm -hmm. and that was kind of how it started you know and then i feel like for a long time it was just trying to find like my rhythm and you know how i what am i going to talk about what i'm going to do because even like the name my big dumb life like if i could go back in time i would not do that name but originally i was like this is i have a very interesting life and this is just kind of a channel about like all the little things i kind of get involved with. And, and, um, and I even used like early on, I did some videos where like I went on vacation and different things and I don't do any of that now. Like now it's like really focused. I'm just trying to help people 
um, understand things. Because the one thing that I see, and I talk to a lot of people that are thinking about starting businesses and stuff. And the one thing I see is what I, what I said earlier, is like, we're just groomed from birth to never want to take that risk because it's deemed so risky and scary and everything. Um, and a lot of times I just end up telling people like, just take that first step. And that first step might be like reading a book, you know? Yeah. But like, if you just make your mind up, I'm going to start taking steps in this direction, things will happen. You may not be like, you know, you may not be worth a hundred million dollars, but you're going to increase your value, your IQ, your quality of life. Like some things will break loose. It mm -hmm. will help. But until you commit, you know, and like people, I'll, I'll get messages a lot and people will say, you know, Hey, can I call you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get on a call or whatever. It's always kind of like that. You know, they're like, well, well, how do I do this? Yeah. And I'm like, why are you asking me, man? Do you have Google? <laughs> There's books like, you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you can't call me every step of the way and ask, well, what do I do next? Like just start, start doing things, start learning, you know? Right. So it, it's been really fulfilling for me. And I feel like I don't, I don't have a whole lot of people like subscribe to the channel and it's a very small channel. It's growing, right? Like everything's yeah. right. The analytics are all right. It's growing. It's steady. Yeah. Um, but it's very fulfilling for me. Mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of times I have to decide how I feel about something to make a video about it. So I have to get really, really focused on like how I feel about this specific thing. Um, or if I put out information, I want to make sure that it's really good. You know what I mean? So I can't just like shoot from the hip. I'm like, re I really try to put out valuable information. So it, I, I feel like it's been really good for me. Travis, you know, it's so interesting to hear you talk, man, because you seem like such a natural entrepreneur and you had mentioned like that turning point in your life, that, that kind of aha moment. I think we talked about a little bit on the last show. Do you like, would you consider yourself a natural born entrepreneur? I, I don't know. I if mean, there that, is such that's a so thing? hard to say. That's so hard to say. I don't even know I, if I there really is such know. a thing, but you know, I, I don't feel like everybody is equipped to um do this yeah. and like i'm one of the few i think that says things like that like but most people are trying to sell you something yeah i'm trying to be sure, like yeah. realistic you know like if you can't handle some pressure mm -hmm. if you can't handle the unknown like right. you might not want to do this but most people um can go start a business or, or can do that and i don't know if it's programmed from birth or not like when i was a little kid like People would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd say, I want to own a business. But I came from like an entrepreneurial family. Yeah. Like when, when I was, when I was, I can remember when I was like 18, I was going to get an apartment. And my grandfather's like, you're going to pay for somebody else's assets, what you're going to do. You know, but that was the influences I had. Right. Yeah. You, you know That's what I cool. mean? Yeah. 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 I'm impressed so with it. You know, it's cool. It's cool thinking like you made the comment about, uh, you know, recording a video and putting it on, on YouTube and yeah, that being kind of the easy way out. I remember back in my high school days, I, I was in a creative writing class and we had to do a special project for our, our final project of the year. And, um, I had, I was really cool back in my high school days. I was from, I went to high school in Michigan with all the, the white rappers like Eminem. So, uh, 
I actually had a, a rap alias. I was Philly B from the 313. Many many people probably don't know this. And uh, I, uh, you, you I made might, some rap, I made some rap music. Bars real quick. Well, so for, for creative writing, I asked the teacher if I could uh, play one of my songs for the class as poetry. And uh, so instead of having to like produce anything, I had, you know, I had a CD of, of stuff I'd already made and I just played a song for the class and got an A on my, on my final project. But I, somewhere floating out there, Travis, there's a, a YouTube channel that I don't think anybody will be able to find, but if you can, let me know. Cause I think it'd be, it'd be funny if y'all can find it, but there's all sorts of like me playing guitar and, and rap videos and stuff that I used to store it in, in YouTube just cause I didn't have a place to, to store it very easily. And so and you uh, don't know where, this, where it is. I know where it is, but I, I never oh, told it. I never told anybody about it. <laughs> it's kind well, of now everybody cool. knows. Well, they know it's out there, but can they find it? It's the question. I think everybody like has a lot more going on than than you would think, and yeah. people are super super interesting. You know, like it's hard to really know somebody really really well unless you spend a lot of time with them, and and people are adapting all the time. Like I feel like the person I was a year ago, I'm not that person. I mean, there's similarities and like, I'm still that person, obviously, but if you're not growing, I mean, yeah, hundred you know, percent, man. You just I think keep adding value all the time. You, you probably, I don't know, maybe I'm way off, but you probably have a circle of, of friends that are all, you know, kind of growth minded like yourself. Wouldn't you say? Or do you, do you, yeah. cause, cause like for a while, I don't, I have to say maybe until like the last few years, I was pretty much, you know, only growing in certain ways, I suppose. And, and really it's been since I kind of started my entrepreneurial journey and, and some in the podcast and things like 2020 time frame was when I feel like I'm a different person year on year, kind of like what you're saying. But I think for most people that are just maybe just employees, you know, they probably don't feel like they're a different person year on year. Yeah, maybe not. And and I do have a lot of people that um, we just kind of network about interesting things. I had a guy call me today and, and he's like, hey, I, I watched some of your videos, just stumbled upon it. And he's like, I built this company up and sold it for, you know, tens of millions of dollars. And, uh, you know, it's hard to find guys that you can talk about stuff like that with, yeah. uh, you know, can I call you? And I'm like, yeah, because I'm like, I, I absolutely want to know those people because I might learn a whole bunch from them. And if I don't, it's just going to be super interesting to talk to them, you know? So, so, yeah, I have, I have a lot of friends like that. Um, for sure. Cool. So I've read a book recently called rocket fuel. I don't know if you've heard of this book. Um, it was really interesting take on the visionary and integrator roles of, uh, a business and it, it kind of distinguishes that it, successful businesses, either one person who's very unique and, and lots of, uh, lots of entrepreneurs tend to kind of start their business. And by default, they have to be both the visionary and the integrator. Um, but on the last episode, we talked a little bit about you finding a, a guy to, um, basically manage your company who was a, he was like a sales guy. And you said, nah, you're a manager. You kind of set that vision for him. Yeah. And he came in and it sounded like he was kind of your integrator. I was just kind of curious, like, do you consider yourself a visionary, more visionary or, or more of an integrator? And, or, or maybe are you a unique type that's good at both? Um, so I'm more of the visionary type. And I will say I get asked a lot 
how do you scale a business? And the problem with that is it's very hard to be the visionary and transition to, you know, the other, the other piece of that, that can actually like look into all the details and manage all these like little intricate things and stuff. It takes us, it takes a different personality. So it's very rare. Like you'll find a lot of people that they start a business and like they own their own business and they do well. Right. But the people that scale businesses bigger, they have to at some point say, I need a different perspective and then I need to trust them somewhat. Right. Um, because like me and the guy you're talking about, um, I have a counterpart now that that it's the same personality. They're oh, okay. very, you know, <laughs> they're they're very much the same. But yeah. um the the guy before that you're talking about, we used to joke and and I would say, you know, if I didn't have you around. I'd have a really big company that, uh, you know, just went down in flames because uh, we forgot to, uh, you know, do whatever we're supposed to do and, and didn't pay somebody or whatever. And it just blew up, you know, but but it'd be really good until it did. And if it was just you by yourself, you'd have the most organized business with no sales ever. You know yeah. what I mean? So it, it takes a team and it, and it takes somebody that can get out of the way, you know, um, I actually, uh, I was thinking about this. I, I, I was going to tell you this on our, our first podcast and then I forgot when we got going, but, um, the day we did our first podcast, my wife voluntold me. I don't know if you know what that means, but I've learned, you know, she, she, <laughs> yeah, she voluntold me to, uh, go put up these two big tents at, um, at the school that our kids go to. And I'm like, well, where, you know, tell me about these tents. She's like, I don't know. They're in some shed. And, and I'm like, well, is there instructions? And she's like, I, I don't know. You know, and, and I'm like, oh my God. And I said, is anybody else going to help me? She's like, I don't know. You just, you got to be there at 430 or whatever. And I'm like, okay. So I get there and there's like a kid, another kid and uh, a full grown man. And they're supposed to help me. And um, I say, uh, hey guys, uh, let's get these tents out. And, and the one kid, you know, he's like 18. He says, um, I've done this two times before. He's like, those bags are right there. There's a secondary bag that has the actual tarp in it. Let's put them down right here, lay the skeleton out. Then we'll roll the thing over. You know, and he starts going through the thing. I said, yeah, let's do it. And I got out of the way. It's an 18 year old kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm a multimillionaire. Like my ego should be like, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to this kid. I'll, I'll tell you how we're going to, right. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And I followed his lead. We got it up done. No problem. And I think the takeaway is I'm like, there's a time when you take control and you take the lead. And there's a time when you say um, somebody else is more qualified and I'm going to let them take the lead. I'm still ultimately responsible for this tent getting up. And right. if there's a problem, like they're going to come to me, I'm not going to blame it on this kid, but, <laughs> well, you might. but I'm going to, I'm going to let him take the lead. I'm going to watch, I'm going to help him to make sure everything's working right. And yeah. I've done that so many times in my business. I do it all the time, even now. And even with like really low level people, right? Like, and I think recognizing that and recognizing when you're in your element and when you're out of your element is really, really important. And it's a hard skill to have. I agree. It's a really hard skill to have. And I, you know, especially if you're, um, you know, maybe it's actually something that before you were the, the visionary entrepreneur owner, maybe you, maybe you at some point, like if you're an employee working, working in a job, right. Like in, and moving up at some point you were the doer doing that job potentially. And, and, you know, maybe you can do it pretty well. And, and so, you know, I've found it's hard, it's hard to step back and say, okay, 
I'm going to let this person do it. They're, you know, they're good at it. You know, mm-hmm. maybe I think I'm better or whatever, but like I can't do everything. So other people have to be able to do it. Maybe I can coach them and, and, and help them get better. But you know, I, I find well, that a little difficult to kind of step man. back and just kind of let the reins go and, and, and understand, you know, what is good enough versus, you know, that perfection, that, that perfectionism tendency of like, you know, I want it done my way. Yeah. Well, you can still have it done your way. Right. Sure. Um, because you're still like overseeing. Right. But I, I think people's ego get in, you know, I see a lot of times yeah. people, I used to have a, a, a guy that, um, I don't know how much I want to say, but we work together all the time. Yeah. And, um, you try to have a discussion and you always wanted to try to finish the thought and, and, you know, and, and, and if you're having a meeting, he had to say, you know, he had to say some stuff, you know, even if it didn't bring any value and, right. and you're like, you know, I'm not, I didn't show up so I could like feel like my ego got stroked. Yeah. I, I showed up to get something done to, you know, and this thing is bigger than me. Right. Right. It's not the Travis show. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a, a working thing that we're building together. Um, and so I, I don't know, it just doesn't bring any value when you're, when your ego gets in the way, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of times that's part of the problem. A hundred percent, hundred percent, man. You know, you've had quite a few cool videos lately about, you know, turning a company from zero to 800,000 a year revenue. Obviously you're very talented at growing businesses. And I think you made a comment in the first episode of, you know, you probably know a dozen or, or a couple dozen ways to, to grow a business to, you know, six figures pretty easy. Uh, which like, it's just cool that you have that sort of confidence, you know, coming from somebody who's new to entrepreneurship. Like, it's just kind of cool to just think about it that way. Like, you know, it, it, it's not easy, but it's, it's a, it's doable, right? It's, it's something that's achievable and it, and it's, it's within reach if you know the right things to do, but it's not easy. I'm, I'm curious, like, as you're going about your business growth and you know, that, that company, I think it took you maybe three years, was it to go from zero to 800,000 in uh, uh, well, the whole off business? Well, that, that, um, it was, um, three years to get to $3 million total revenue, which ah. $3 million, it depends on what industry you're talking about, but in this certain industry, like that, that's really good. Yeah. Um, but the video that I did recently was specific to one of the segments that oh, okay. it, it did $800,000 in revenue. So we, we built, we built that business, uh, up to $3 million in revenue in, in three years. Yeah. It's kind of the end. Yeah, man. Like, how how do you approach something like that? I know you had you had some decent startup costs, but like, what? Yeah, and and the capital just it all capital does is is it changes your timeline, right? Um, the first business I owned it was thirteen years start to finish. Now I you know now I build a business in three years I could sell that thing now and, and do really well on it. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm going to do, but I could. But I'll say this. Every business I've ever started was terrifying. Um, and, and people, they, 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 they think entrepreneurs, like they don't, you know, you were born without that gene that makes you scared. No, that's not true at all. It's just 
seeing on the other side of that fear that there's something you just have to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and for me, that's like, I have this thing in my head that I want to create and it's stronger than the fear to get there. Right. But that's one piece of it. And then the next piece is just all the steps to build a business. And I think the benefit I have now is experience. You know, um, when, when I built my first business, I didn't know just all the ins and outs of payroll. I didn't know all the ins and outs of insurance, taxes, how to, how to manage an employee, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. And when you do them the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time, um, those aren't things you dwell on right. the first time. I, you know, it just, I had to figure all that out, but yeah, yeah, after you do them several times, but the fear is always there. When I started um, the business you're talking about, that was our waste management and recycling company. um, I can remember sitting on my couch in my living room, terrified, just Mm -hmm. thinking like, what am I doing? This is nuts. I've I've never done anything with garbage. I don't know anything about this, Mm -hmm. but I was getting calls from people that I didn't know because I had put a post on Facebook, just like kind of taking a survey, you know, Hey, I'm thinking about starting this business. And I was getting calls from people that I didn't know um, that were saying, Hey, you hold if on you one start second. The- sure. All right. Back at it. We had a, a minor interruption with, uh, you know, having kids, it, it changes things, right? Travis. It does. It does. It definitely um, changes things. What I was saying though is I, I I remember I was sitting in my living room and I was I was just terrified, had a bunch of anxiety because I had put this post out on Facebook saying, Looks like we might need a garbage company in the area. And I had people that I didn't even know, never talked to before, calling my cell phone, which I didn't post publicly, which means a lot of people were talking, saying, Hey, if you start this, I'll be your first customer. And I'm like, I haven't done anything. And so that actually kind of leads me down a side road that I talk about a lot in these videos is one thing I have learned over time is that opportunity is a huge part of the equation. Like the first couple of businesses I started, they were just businesses that I was like, hey, I think this would be good. So I went and started it. But now I look for businesses where there is just an absolute opportunity. There's a weak competitor. And if you go in and, and you're quick, like now I'm fast, I can go in and like I said, in three years, you know, I I ran the other company out of the area, but if you can go in set up shop quick and, um, and start your business, you, you can just absolutely annihilate somebody and build a great business. So that's what I look for now is just these opportunities. And, and that's actually, we, we're starting a scrap metal business now. And, and it's kind of the same setup, man. It's just the, the competition in the area we don't feel is, um, is strong. And uh, we feel like we'll set up and uh, it's going to be a really good um, deal for us. The other, the other piece of that that's interesting is like, I said this in one of my videos, like I could write a letter to my competitor and, with my game plan and everything. And usually if they're a, a, like a bad business, they're not ran well, like they're not going to change. Like they're not going to all of a sudden just be this well-ran business, you know? So if you identify this poorly ran business, right? they can know you're coming. They can know everything you're going to do, follow your Facebook page, whatever. It's not really going to change anything, right? you know? That's so it's why, just an interesting dynamic. I think 
to me, that's partly why most entrepreneurs, at least the successful ones I know, you know, you hear about like entrepreneur degrees or, or some sort of like entrepreneur school. And it's almost kind of like, kind of like you said, you, you know, you can't really like teach someone or tell someone how to run a successful business. They've, they've got to go do it and figure it out. Like you could tell them, but they're really not going to know until they go, they go learn it. At least typically, it seems like that would be the case. I mean, if you have a lot of influences around you and, and, you know, you're reading a lot about it and everything, it's obviously going to help. Um, but you know, I used to, I used to train under a guy MMA and he had fought in the UFC and he said, when they close that door, all that goes out the window, man. He's like, you know, it's just, it's all muscle memory at that point. You're not thinking about anything, you know? And, and I think business is, is kind of similar, you know, it's like experience really, really helps. Mm -hmm. If you can't have the experience, try to surround yourself with people that have. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do that, just read, watch YouTube videos, you know, just study all about it. And that's what I did a lot when I was, when I was young, I just, I read constantly and watched YouTube, Like YouTube wasn't the same back then. You know, there wasn't guys like me making videos, trying to help people, you know, Um, but there was a lot of books and I read a lot of books and um, even now, you you know, like when I, even when I started YouTube, I took uh, Graham Stephan, he has a course on yeah. how, to, how to do a YouTube channel. And a lot of it's so outdated, like, but it helped me tremendously, you mm-hmm. know, like you get a little bit of foundation and then you kind of build on it. Yeah. YouTube's great, man. I learned, I actually learned how to play guitar on YouTube. I'm a, I'm a YouTube oh, yeah. guitar player and uh, you can, you can find absolutely anything. I thought it was interesting. You, you said uh, opportunity is a big part of the equation. And, uh, what I see a lot, Travis, you, you probably see it too. There's, there's so many people like, like yourself as an entrepreneur, as, as someone who's open and, you know, you've got experience seeing some of these things, you see that opportunity. And I think so many people that have been, you know, they've been consumers for so long and they don't, they don't really produce anything. You know, they're, they're not used to producing something of value for, for a customer. Right. So like, I feel like many people who aren't entrepreneurs, they, they don't even see the opportunities around them. Like they wouldn't have even seen what you saw. They don't. Right. They don't. And, and, and it's like the blessing is the curse, right? Like I go eat at a restaurant (laughs) and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like I could fix this, you know, or, or whatever. And, um, once you kind of open that door, you, you just start to look at things a lot differently. And even people I've hired, they, they come to work for me. And when they see, the other side of that and how I talk about things. They're like, wow, I never, I never thought about any of that that you're talking about. Like, you know, like re- recently, probably every company in the world had to raise their prices. Well, there's a lot of people that get mad about the, these greedy corporations. But when you see the other side of that, that the price of tires, parts, everything yeah. went up 50% and labor went up and, you know, all this stuff went up. Like, you're like, oh, now I get it, you know? Right. So for sure, I think, and, and I think, uh, seeing that opportunity, you know, I I'm always looking and if I had like five times as much money, I could put it to work. Mm-hmm. I just don't have, have five times as much time, but I see opportunities and like people will talk to me. I'll say, you should look at this. I don't have time to do it. But you should look at that. You know, I do things right. that I think are interesting. They're not always like, they're not always like, uh, I, like I could make more money doing other things, but I, sure. I really enjoy the stuff I do and the people I work with. So that's right. what's important to me now. 
What's going on? With you watch, did you watch my videos on the on the real estate stuff? The commercial stuff? Yeah. Yeah. What you were gonna do with the the ten million? Yes. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. You wanna move to that? I'm curious, you know, you you uh you well, sold you, off you your farm or something, right? right? Yeah, that? so uh, well, do you want to talk about inflation or you want to talk about that? Because you said something about inflation. I, I don't. Well, you were talking matter. about businesses raising their prices. I was going to ask a question to like it. It had me wondering, right? Because you got you know most most employees might be used to three percent, you know, a small percentage raise year on year to account for inflation or whatever. And now we got like record inflation numbers. Like, what what do you as an owner of a company do as you know to compensate your employees? Do you, do you drastically change that equation? How, how's that, how's um, that work? So we gave everybody a raise a couple of months ago to try to offset it, but it, it I mean, it's, it's not going to fully offset it. You know, um, the, the sad thing about the way the economy works is um, in times like this, the, uh, the poor people are going to get poor. Not that my employees are poor. I don't want to say that, but in the middle class, it's going to get hit more um, just because like the price of something goes up, you know, 30% and you get a 5% raise. I mean, but a company, it, it's very hard for a company to go raise their prices 30%, you know? So yeah, it's just, a, it's a bad dynamic, you know, and that's, you know, the federal government's the one to blame. It's, it's the, it's the craziest thing. I read a lot about the the wealth gap. And I think it's so funny because I go, so the government prints a bunch of money and all this money basically ends up in the stock market. So anybody with a 401k, which is middle-class and anybody with stocks, which is rich people got much richer over the last decade. And the poor people got poor because they didn't have those assets to, to you know puff up. And then the government turns around and says, there's a wealth divide and rich people are to blame. You know, it's just, it's the dumbest thing, but inflation is going to hurt middle-class and, and poor people and rich people are going to be fine. You know, like yeah. if you're rich, you probably have a bunch of real estate or, you know, a bunch of stuff that's going to appreciate because that's how everything works, you know? Right. So it's a bad right. dynamic. We, yeah, we try to sure. take care of our employees. I would say we take care of them really well, but I just think in general, trying to keep up with inflation is, is going to be really hard. I'm hopeful yeah. that, we see a little bit of backtracking because some of this is like supply chain yeah. and not just pure inflation. Um, so we'll see though. Yeah, for sure. So you sold this property, I think your farm, right? And you had money to invest. Yeah. You could do uh, you know, you could do uh, I forget what you, what they call it, but talk, talk to us about why, why commercial real estate. So I bought this ranch. Um, six years ago for like uh, probably about four million bucks, four or five million bucks. And I put about a million dollars into improvements. And to me, that was a really big deal. I like that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, it was cool. I'd go out there all the time. And anyway, I decided recently to sell it. So, and, and the main reason I decided to sell it is it's really hard to make real money in agriculture. Mm -hmm. The whole play is really that you're just sitting on this land and it's appreciating. Well, you know, as much as I've done and as smart as I pretend I am, um, you can't have a big chunk of your portfolio in 
an appreciating asset that really doesn't make any cash flow. And then a couple of businesses that you're just basically reinvesting all your profit to grow this business um, and, uh, and then live. Right. So, <laughs> so I said, you know, I need to, I need to kind of change some things around in my portfolio and get some really good, strong cash flow going. So I just decided to sell my ranch. And um, like I said, I, I had paid about 5 million. I put a little bit of work into it. Um, probably had five and a half to $6 million into this property. And we put it on the market. And I mean, we put it on the market at the right time. Like values started going up right as we were getting ready to list it. Um, it was pretty crazy. Ended up getting a full price cash offer, $11 million. Um, it's crazy. The amount of money that's just kind of sloshing around. Yeah. And, and so what I did is called a 1031 exchange. And what that means, it's, it's an IRS allowance. And the IRS wants to keep investment going. If I just took that money and I put it into a savings account, like that doesn't help the economy. So if I take that money and I go buy another asset, like a piece of commercial real estate, maybe, you know, there's a title company that jobs are created. There's a couple of, you know, realtors that jobs are created. Maybe I do some remodeling, you know, after I buy it. So there's some jobs created there, um, an inspector's job, you know, created there. So they want to keep that moving. So what they do is this 1031 exchange, you can sell this property and buy a different property and you defer all the taxes. So I sold $11 million worth of real estate and paid zero taxes. Now, in the end, when I finally like get to a point where I say, I'm going to get out of real estate, I'll pay tax. Right. But right now it's this program and, and it's, it's really important to our economy. You know, some people agree, some people don't, but if they stopped it. It would be a big deal. But what I did is I bought um, two strip malls uh, and, and combined, it was like 10 and a half million dollars uh, because after realtor fees and everything, you know, I paid, I paid $500,000 in, in realtor fees and closing costs and stuff. Right. Um, but it was like 10 and a half million dollars and I'll get a 6% return on these properties. So I created about $600,000 a year in cash flow, And I love it because they're managed. Um, I really don't have to do anything. It's just, I parked some money there and it's like, there's a Buffalo wild wings in there and a, you know, a salon and, and different things that rent these spaces and they're all long-term leases and stuff. And yeah. this management company handles it and they wire me they wire me the money every month. So I did like a whole series of videos about that because I thought, you know, who, who does this, you know, who makes videos about this? Um, it was just a very unique experience. Yeah. And the other piece of that is I only had 45 days from the time I sold the first property to be done right now. You it's 45 to... days to identify all the yeah. properties. Yeah. So I had to really be done. Like everything's yeah. identified under contract. 45 days is not I a long, have... not a long time. It's not, and, it, and it's it's very stressing. Um, we would we would uh, bid on a property, and it would be like we have multiple cash offers, and I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. This is a this is a four million dollar property, and it just came <laughs> on the market today. Yeah, and like I thought I was kind of like a big dog coming in here with like a full price cash offer, and you're like, yeah. oh yeah, we got two or three of those, you know. So it's just a it's just a crazy. <laughs> 
crazy uh experience i'm really glad i did it i don't know man i mean they don't tell you but yeah i i had one in houston that it was like somewhere around four million bucks the day it came on the market we put a full price cash offer in it we're like we're not gonna come back if we find anything inspections or anything like we're gonna waive all that we don't care we're just telling you cash deal we're done right and so like three days go by we haven't got an answer my realtor calls their realtor and they're like, you know, we've got multiple offers. We're going to kind of try to figure out what we want to do here. And, and I'm going, really? Okay. You know, and um, we ended up finding another property and, and we retracted our offer on, on that. Property. But it was like 10 days. We still hadn't got an answer out of them. And I'm wow. positive they were going to go back and say, let's get a best and final out of everybody. But that's just the amount of money that's sloshing around. It's just a crazy, crazy time. Oh, it's wild, man. My wife um, and I moved mid mid COVID, and I mean, just crunching numbers. If you if you count the appreciation, obviously we haven't realized it yet because we haven't sold the property. But you know, in theory, we've essentially lived for free the last couple of years, just because of, mm-hmm. of how we bought and how things appreciated. I mean, I mean, anybody owning real estate right now, real estate's a great great inflation hedge, um, for sure, and. Uh, I was listening to Grant Cardone, who I'm sure you've heard quite a bit from talking about real estate potentially. And, um, he, he always made this comment that people don't get rich selling real estate. They get rich owning real estate. And, uh, he talks about like his first property that he bought and it was, it was here in, uh, near Houston. He bought it for like under a hundred thousand dollars. And if he would have kept it, it would be worth like 600,000 a day. And you know, the next, the house next door, he could tear it down and build another house and sell it for like 1.2 million or something crazy. And, um, but it got me thinking, Yeah. you know, he sold it and then, and did another deal. Right. And then did another deal. And so I, I think the rule is probably kind of what you did, right? You, you sell a property that has gone up in value. It's appreciated. You sell it at the right time, realize that gain. And then if you can reinvest that into another property that actually is a better deal and cash flows, right. And just keep doing that sort of thing. You know, there, there is a time to sell. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is. And, and the beautiful thing about real estate is you have all these different people trying to accomplish different goals. So it creates these like opportunities and stuff um, like the buildings we bought. Well, these buildings were planned two, two, three years ago. And mm-hmm. there's this whole timeline, the build and everything. So I feel like we got a good deal on them, Yeah. but the property I sold, I got a good deal on it and it appreciated, right? Like if I was, if I was going to sell my house, I would be kind of scared. Cause I'm like, you know, it seems like all houses have gone up. I don't know, right. You know how much I've gained, but, but you know, if you can find things that grow faster than everything else, right? But the thing that Grant Cardone, like I I have to touch on this, the thing that Grant Cardone should say is um, you can get rich by raising money from other people because that's what guys uh, like him got rich doing. You know, Um, you you raise a bunch of money, you charge management fees, you know, you got a billion dollars under under management and uh, you're charging like 2% a year to manage that. Like it adds up pretty quick. If you look at the... uh, Forbes 500, um, like most of the people on there that didn't inherit money are like hedge fund managers and stuff. Yeah. You go raise, you know, two or $3 billion and charge, you know, 2% management fee annually like that. That's how people get really, really rich. So Grant, 
Grant saying like, hey, I, I should have just bought an apartment and held on to it for 30 years is, right. is, is silly. He's, he's selling a story. He's selling this story that he's like so smart. But the truth is like he is smart, but he's he's charging management fees and stuff. That's how he's making money. Have you I ever raised capital? Raise money. No, I won't do it. Um, I, I just it's just I, I could I could raise I bet I could raise a hundred million dollars pretty quick. Yeah. You know, I bet I could. I I feel really confident I could. Um I've had people say, hey, come talk to me, you know, and uh, we want to put some money behind you. I have a, I just do things because, well, I I don't want to really answer to anybody as dumb as that sounds. (laughs) And for me, um, this, (laughs) this is going to sound dumb too. For me, quality of life is a really big deal. And if you're worth like 5 million or 10 million, like your quality of life really doesn't change that much. And I have like a pretty good thing going. So the thought of me answering to a board, you know, having eight guys calling me all the time, having to travel because like that, like I could, I could do that with my garbage company. I could raise some money, you know, go buy a bunch of competitors out, but then I'm going to be traveling this competitor. I bought, I got to go over here. Then my stress levels higher Then all this stuff. You know, I just told you that I bought a couple of buildings that are going to make $600,000 a year in free cash flow. Like, I don't need to go answer to some board of directors. I don't, I don't need anybody's money. Like I'm perfectly content doing what I'm doing. And if I decide I don't want to do that anymore, then like, I'll just stop, you know? And to me, that's, that's why I started doing this is the freedom to be able to say like, I want to do what I want to do. I think a lot of the people that are raising money like that, they're trying to make, they're trying to make their scratch. Right. Like I'm not saying I wouldn't do that, but I just, it's just not for me. You know? I admire you, Travis. You know, I think a lot of people, they they think that the life is just making a lot of money. And, and I think probably many of these people, like you said, you know, they get into these positions and, and you know, they, they almost have no lifestyle. I mean, yeah, they can spend money and have a big house or whatever, but they work like all the time and, and they have all these pressures, yeah. right? Like lifestyle is a big, a big thing that, you know, it's a combination of money and time and, and even relationships, right? Balance and everything. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Like I've, I've been able to pursue my dreams, but I've also like 90% of the time I'm home by five o'clock. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm home by five o'clock and I, and I ask my kids like, you know, did you get your name on the board at school today? You know, do you have homework? You know, Let's talk about daily and routine. And to me, all that's man. balance, man. Yeah. I'm curious. Daily routine. Everyone's focused on like routines and morning routines. I, I hear everybody talking about routines and you, you got to take a cold shower in the morning and all this stuff. Like what, what's the Travis Davis daily routine? Well, I, I think a lot of the stuff that you hear about stuff like that is just to get you psyched up about what you're trying to do. You know, like I actually like read a lot about cold showers and stuff and like it and even stuff like intermittent fasting, like people like they go crazy about that. It has a very, very small effect on actual weight loss and stuff like that. But having the mentality of focusing on your diet and focusing on your weight and all of that, like and, and putting yourself into a calorie deficit, like really helps. Right. 
So I think a lot of that stuff is kind of like, it's just, it's helpful, but I, I don't know that it's like really, truly helpful. Right. But my, my routine is like, uh, so Monday through Friday, that's really the only time I work. Um, other than, uh, other than like my, my YouTube stuff, which I don't really consider work, but I wake up between five thirty and six every day. And, um, I usually kind of, lay in bed and uh, look at my phone because my garbage company starts running at six o'clock every day. Mm. And that determines my whole day, right? Like we plan my day, my calendar is like kind of full. Um, but if at six o'clock in the morning, my manager calls and he says, we have a problem. Like I might be on the back of a garbage truck that day, or I might have to go to the yard and like run the recycling route, or I might have to do whatever, right? Um, but if everything is cool and I don't have to do that, um, I get up and, uh, take a shower, get dressed. And I go to the office, usually at the office, like, I don't know, seven 30. And I just kind of start reading and, and looking at stuff. Just what, I, like the thing that's kind of weird about my life is like, it's very quiet until it's not like a lot of days I might just sit around reading all day. Right. Or like just doing whatever I want. But then some days when it like the ox is in the ditch and it's time to go to work or I'm trying to get a new project off the ground, I'll be like super involved for like a yeah. long time. Like when we were going through this 1031 exchange, I spent tremendous amount of time yeah. just combing through uh, real estate listings, just trying to understand what I was doing. Like I'm trying to allocate 10 and a half million dollars. I've never done this and I got 45 days to do it. Yeah. Like I spent a lot of time just trying to understand what the heck am I doing? Um, and, and just working with my realtor. Well, the you didn't day just we got wing it, done, Travis, you didn't just wing no. it. No. Well, I mean, I did, but it was like, <laughs> I, I winged it with style, I guess, but yeah. the, you know, and then the, the, the day it's done is like, it just drops like yeah. that big event that was taking up all this time. It's just gone. Right. And it's like, okay, so what's next? Oh, well, we're about to launch the scrap metal deal. So now I'll be like really, really dug into that for, I don't know, maybe six months. And then I'll feel like it's at a point where like, it's good and I don't have to like baby it and I'll back off. I, you know? In some of our conversations, I've heard you use like the word, I think it was obsessive or, you know, you kind of have this obsessive sort of tendency. It, like, do you enjoy kind of bouncing around and getting obsessed for a little while and then bouncing something else? Is that, is that kind of like how you operate? I, I wouldn't say I enjoy it. Um, it's just who I am. And like, God bless them. Like I, my wife, like God bless her for putting up with me and the people I work with, because, you know, you'll talk to me and like, just like uh, this scrap metal thing. Um, you'll see me and, 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 you know, you'll be like, Hey, Travis, uh, man, this weather, you know, it's kind of crazy and there's ice. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Hey, did you know scrap metal? Like you can melt it down and like, you know, and I'll, I'll be like all obsessed with it. And like, I can't keep my focus on anything else. You know, I'm like, uh, actually there's, there's five steel mills in Texas and I've been talking to them, you know, and like, I'll be all fired up about it. And I have a hard time just, um, just interacting in general because my mind is very one tracked, you know? So it's like a blessing and a curse, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I get super obsessive about stuff until I feel like it's kind of on autopilot. Like when I started the YouTube channel, Right. It was like all I talked about right. all the time. 
all the time. And I would just call like random YouTubers, like try to email them and call them and stuff. And people think that's crazy too. Like I'll just call somebody and be like, Hey, would you talk to me about this? You know? And, yeah. and I actually talked to a couple, I talked to one guy here has a million subscribers and another guy has half a million and pretty interesting conversations, but cool. But yeah. I, I get super, super like obsessive about things. So mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. But it's weird. Like in my daily routine, like it'll be like that Monday through Thursday. Yeah. And then usually Friday, that's when I, I'll try to do my YouTube videos and I have like some quiet time and I start thinking about the next week and all that. And then on, on Saturday and Sunday, I'm like, hundred percent with my kids, you know, like we just hang out and, uh, we do a lot of swimming. It's Even crazy, like man. It's cool. In, in it's February. cool to see proof that you don't have to get up at four and do a morning workout and take a cold plunge and read for 10 minutes. You don't necessarily have to do those things to achieve a life that you want, but I, I don't think you might, do. it now, might help you. Get I work going. out every day. Yeah. I work out every day. Um, like not every day, but like for the most part, I work out every day. Pretty much every day. Um, even on the weekends and stuff, you know, like an hour out of my day. Yeah. But um, but no, I, I don't do, you know, I, I read I read the stuff too. And they're like, you know, this guy gets up <laughs> at four and he does all this stuff and he reads for 45 some, minutes. Some people and, need that. You know, I think, like you said, I, I think it just depends on who you are and, and what your mindset's like. And some people kind of need that, that steady routine and that discipline to, to get them going and keep them on task to get what they want to get. Otherwise they I mean, maybe stray. I don't maybe, know. Maybe I'm the only one that's honest. I'm like, I wake up at six <laughs> and lay in bed till six 30, you know? No, I, I was kidding about all that. I wake up at, I wake up at four. I go for a five mile run and I, then I eat my first meal. You no, know? <laughs> my life is oh, funny. It's like, it's like, there's like these projects and then they end and like, then I'm looking for the next one. So it's mm-hmm. not like this, like same thing every day. And I like it like that. I don't like yeah. the same thing as far as like schedule and what I'm working on, because to me, this stuff is like, it's fun. Like I, I don't, I don't have to do it. You know, like I'm trying to do it because it's fulfilling, you know, YouTube channel. I don't like, I get nothing out of, out of putting, <laughs> putting out to the public that apparently I have like 10 million bucks that I'm trying to allocate. Right. Like that's right. a super bad idea to do stuff like that, you know, but it, it's fulfilling you know, right, right, and, right. and like, I'll think about giving up and then somebody will comment like, man, I love these videos and, and you know, all this. And I go, yep, I'm going to keep going. It's pretty so, cool to know that even, even somebody like you, somebody like me can make an impact, even if it's one person or 10 people or a hundred people or a million people, you know, you can, yeah. you can change the world and, and it might just be a conversation with, you know, some guy at the coffee shop. You never know. You never know. We're, we're fighting the good fight. We're like out here fighting the moms that uh, that tell their kids to go go to college and uh, climb the corporate ladder. We're we're like against the moms, you know. Don't do that. <laughs> Start a business, or at least have a side hustle. I tell people that too. Like if you if you don't want to do that, just like have a side hustle. You know, do something sure. on the side, or or just know like there's more to investing than just a four hundred one k. Right? Yeah. Like how many people have no clue even what is in their 401k or what it is or some, I, I heard a stat that there's a large percentage of people that get a 401k match and they don't even do it. You know, yeah. it's like, what? Oh yeah. If people get paid $85,000 a year, they live on $85,000 a year. 
And that's what I tell people all the time is like, maybe live off of 50,000 and invest the other, yeah. you know, like I'm not a huge uh, proponent of like Bitcoin. Right. But like, I'll talk to these random people and they know so much about it. Yeah. It's like crazy how much they know about wow. it. And I'm like, you know, that's not for me, but good for you because like you put in a lot of work, obviously, and you understand a lot more than, than I do about this. And that's what it's about. Like, not everybody's going to be like, I'm going to invest in Bitcoin. Um, and not everybody's going to invest in a garbage company, right? Do you know um, Dan but, Pena? But, no. Have you ever heard of Dan? So. He's the, the trillion dollar man or something like that. Billion dollar I man. I don't know. No. He's, a, he's an interesting cat. He, he, he said that, uh, that Putin is behind Bitcoin and it's a scheme to undermine the West economy. I don't know. I don't know about that, man. I, <laughs> I don't either. I don't. I can't even understand the fundamentals of it, so I, I can't tell you like the the whole. Like, so I really like the concept it. of of it not being uh, able to be regulated, and not you know it's it's basically there's no middleman. It cuts out the middleman. There's no more of this you know banks charging charging a transaction fee for Phil to send Travis money. I can just send Travis money. And, and there's no more need for some central bank to be the middleman of everything or PayPal or, or whatever. Maybe. Um, I don't know, so man. I, I, so I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of issues. Um, and none of them, like, don't get me wrong. I don't have a hard stance. on. on yeah. I'm just like, curious. I'm, I'm just a, curious what I'm you not think, against man, I don't, I don't know what to think at this point. I, I mean, I've heard various opinions um, and I, the money I have in it, I lost, I've lost 35%. <laughs> So yeah. it's not an investment to me. It's gambling at this point. Yeah. Well, this is what I'll say. Um, the first thing is like me and most of the people I, I ever know that have bought Bitcoin um, have never traded any currency and don't know anything about currencies. This is just like it was like everybody was talking about it. And what they're talking about is you're going to make a bunch of money. It, the, the decentralization and all that like it's great and everything most people jumped in because they thought they were going to make some money yeah you know 100 um and that's fine whatever yeah they might um i'm also like the kind of guy like i like i like stupid things that are simple and they have um utility right um something like a piece of property like that has a lot of utility mm -hmm. you know what i mean um I can farm it, ranch it. There's minerals. If they outlaw farming and ranching, I can, you know, build houses on it or whatever, right? Like sure. it has ultimate utility. And and so those are just the kind of investments I look for. So I'm just not attracted to Bitcoin, right? Yeah. So it's not that I it's not that I'm against it. It's just not something that I'm like super interested in, right? But here's here's where specifically. I don't understand Bitcoin. And I have a friend, he, he, he's very, very smart. And I've asked him this and he doesn't seem to have an answer. So maybe somebody out there could uh, educate me on this. But here's kind of like the skeptic in me is like, we don't know who made this, right? Right. So how do we know they can't make more? And that's like the whole thesis behind the whole deal is like, well, there's there's only a finite amount. Well, how do you know? Are you a programmer? Did you see the code? Are you tr <laughs> trusting the guy that's getting paid by the people to say it's the next great thing, right? Because exactly. the skeptic in me is like, I don't know who made this. It's not yeah. regulated. 
I'm going to put some money into it and then it's going to blow up and everybody's going to be like, oh, I got ripped off because that's what happens. It's the same thing with NFTs. Like, come on, man. These NFTs, like this is the biggest, the biggest scam. I think NFTs will have some value to authenticate things like watches and stuff. But when you get a receipt for a watch, it's not worth a hundred grand. It's worth like almost nothing, but it authenticates this Rolex or whatever, right? Sure. Um, and guys like I, Gary I see v, the value in the record on the blockchain, right? But I don't. Yeah, I, I struggle. Yeah, with, but but with not the not value like like what they're talking about. Like here yeah. here's the argument. I struggle with it. Okay. Um, you you can't uh, you can't take a picture of my NFT because I can authenticate it on the blockchain. And I'm like, that's true. That's true. And I, you know, maybe that gives it some value, right? Um, I don't think it's as much as people say, but here's the argument I would make, right? Yeah. Um, the Mona Lisa, right? I could take a picture of the Mona Lisa and you could tell right off, it's a fake. But right. if I wanted to recreate one that was, that you weren't able to tell the difference, I would have to hire really, really good artists to try to repaint this thing and then try to age it. And I, it would take hours and hours and hours to try to reproduce this. I can screenshot an NFT and you can't tell the difference unless you look at the blockchain. Right. So for me, it's basically the equivalent of a receipt. If I bought a really nice Rolex and they said, here's an NFT receipt proving you bought this and right. it can be authenticated. I'm like, okay, that has some value. Not yeah. like a thousand dollars. like. Right like $5 or something. Right. And, sure. and it's not a standalone. It's yeah. tied to another asset. So I don't see the art piece of it at all. Mm-hmm. I think there will be some uses. I do not think it's, it's anywhere close to what people are saying. And the only people that are making money, like I saw a video where Gary Vee says he made like $90 million overnight. Yeah. Well, the, the guy's pumping NFTs 24 seven and he's making them and selling them. Yeah. And then he's telling you like, 99% of these are going to go to zero. You know what I mean? It's like, it's wild. I don't know, man. Like, I've, I like the NFT idea for, I've heard it used like in a use case, like um, instead of having to go to a record producing company or a record label, like, and, and, you know, the record label takes, I don't know, whatever, a large percentage of, of all your profits on whatever music you produce, you could produce like an NFT, sell it and like, if you have like a big following on YouTube or something and, and people buy it, you know, you can essentially crowdfund through an NFT and sell, you know, a portion of the equity or, or, uh, you know, a portion of the profits of your record once it's done. And that now you don't have to go to some record label to like fund you producing a record. Um, you can fund it like through your network via NFT. So I thought, I thought yes. that sort of application maybe made sense. What are your thoughts? Well, it, it does, but here's the thing. It's like Pokemon cards. Like they only have value if somebody else is willing to buy them, right? There's no utility or intrinsic value, really. It's just a collector's item. I'll tell you a story. You you should Google this because I'm going to tell it wrong. But um, like the Rat Pack and the Italian singer that was uh, that was oh, like uh, part of that whole deal. Frank, Frank Sinatra, Dean. Frank Martin. Sinatra. So when he was like really really big, right? He put on this this big golf thing. And it was like the who's who came to the golf deal. And it was like, maybe like, I don't know, a couple hundred people. And he had these, these gold putters made with his signature um, inscribed in them. And he gave everybody a gold putter. Yeah. 
Well, for a long time, they were worth a lot, a lot of money. Well, now you can buy them for like quite a bit less. And at one point, like, I think at the high, like one sold for like a hundred grand and at the low one sold for like three grand. Mm -hmm. But the thing was all the Frank Sinatra fans died. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like if all the Pokemon fans aren't around anymore, you know what you have is nothing. You have nothing. It's like baseball cards, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying don't buy that stuff. I'm just saying don't, don't go on TV or make a video and tell me about how this is like, you know, the next thing. And, and like everybody should pile into this because all you're doing is ripping people off. You know what I mean? At least people like Gary Vee have the decency to say like 99% of these are going to go to zero. Right. As he's selling them to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? As he's selling well, them to you. Yeah. Right. He, but it's he's not one to miss item. an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity. Travis. I don't blame him. I don't blame him, but I mean, like the stuff you're talking about, like you, you go to a Guns N' Roses concert and buy a t-shirt. Well, like 20 years later, that t-shirt has some value. Yeah. Right. It's like yeah, the yeah. same thing. I'm just yeah. not going to invest in that. I, sure. Like, if I did, it would just be here and there. I, I own like a Craig Biggio rookie card that I bought a long time ago and like some random stuff like that, but I don't call them investments. It's just some stuff I bought. You know, you know, I've got I've got a bunch of old cards. I I didn't even think about them until this week. I was at my parents' house and uh, I went up and I was like searching through my parents' house trying to find these old. I I had like files and files of old sports cards. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to dig those out and see if any are worth anything. Yeah, if they're not all dead, right? The people that want them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a bad joke. But exactly. Um, I don't know. I just don't invest in that stuff. And I think it's funny that people like make it out like it's this, like this next. It'll know, be interesting. I don't, I, I'm kind of like weary of the whole metaverse thing just because like it's so explicitly like the matrix, like right in front of your face. Like they're trying to create this matrix world. that's not reality. And I, I very much prefer reality. I don't know about you, Travis, but I, I do too. I but I think I just don't like get video it. games, you know, for video games and stuff, it's going to, it's probably going to be pretty good. Oh yeah, it'll be it'll be great, but it's just I think I think it's heading down a path that's that's getting weird really fast. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, like uh, well, the younger generations they don't want to they don't want to do this. Like my kids, they don't want to go outside as much and stuff like that. When I was a kid, right. we were always outside. You know, yeah, they but... don't want to do that. They want to yeah. go into a virtual world where they're outside. Right. That's what <laughs> that's what know. scares me. It's weird. I don't, I don't want it. Get it out I, of here. I, like one of my kids, uh, w- when the Wii was a thing, he had like this fishing pole thing and he's like, he's catching fish and he's like, this is awesome. And I'm like, I try to take you fishing all the time. You know, like right. real fishing is way better than that, <laughs> you know, but it, I don't know. I think metaverse will be okay. Um, I think for um, video games and stuff, but I think interesting applications, like think about this. Let's say you were going to move, you're going to buy a house. The house you want to you want to look at it's in Seattle. Well, what do we need realtors for if we right. have metaverse? We need a guy to go in, scan the property, put it online. Yeah. You're interested, you jump into the metaverse, view the property in Super five cool. minutes. Wife jumps in, views it. They're like, you know what? Let's do it. You never you never went to Seattle. You never did anything. And you know, like I think that kind of stuff there will be a market. It's just how long. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, hundred percent. But then, and then, if you can do that, then the next thing is it's a business meeting where you're sitting in the boardroom, but you didn't have to travel. Yeah. With this big, heavy, sitting. heavy thing on the 
or something like that, right? Well, Travis, this has been fun, man. We're pushing up on time. I'll be respectful of your time. I appreciate you coming back, sharing with the GLE Network, man. It's always fun. We'll have to have you back again. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you about before we go was um, Tesla flipping stuff. You've been making so many cool videos. If y'all aren't following Travis, go follow, subscribe to his YouTube channel, My Big Dumb Life. Go check him out. He's making some really cool videos, lots of good content. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're investing, if you're into business, if you want to learn about some of this stuff and just you know hear about the cool stuff Travis is doing, it, it's really a lot of great knowledge that you're probably not getting in other places. Um, and one of the things I thought was so interesting, you were talking about flipping Teslas. What's this all about? Well, so I, I think just because of the waiting list and, and just because people – just have to have things now. Um, there has been an opportunity and there could still be an opportunity, um, where you go down and put a few reservations down. And then when, when you get your Tesla, just immediately sell it. And I think there's, you know, $10,000 of upside in that. And when the tax credits were around, people were doing them and they would get the tax credit, which I think was like six or $8,000 for a long time there. And they get the $10,000 upside. So you, you just buy the car, you get the tax credit, resell the car. And you got 15 or 20 grand, um, you know, in a month or two. And, and, you know, maybe you drive the car for a few weeks. And, and, and so, you know, I'm always looking for content for the channel. And one day I was sitting around brainstorming and this kind of hit me. So I put down reservations for like three Teslas. And in the video, like, that's one of my favorite videos, by the way. Um, because the, the way when I'm shooting a video, I'm really trying to tell a story and keep attention and make it really, really fun and kind of fast paced so that you're like, before you know it, the video is over. And then you're like, Oh, wow. You know, you never thought about clicking off. And that's one of my favorite videos. And uh, I say in the beginning of the video, like historically, I've, I haven't been a fan of Elon Musk, but I recently accidentally bought a Tesla. Well, I think you're kind of hooked right there. It's like, what is this guy talking about? Um, but the whole thing kind of stemmed from just, I was trying to create content. And then as it got closer and closer to the date for this first Tesla to come in, I decided to keep it, but I still have two, um, I have two model X's that are, um, and, and these, like these model X's, like, it's like a year waiting list right now. So if I get mine in like three or four months, I have no doubt that I can resell them right away, make at least 10 grand, Yeah, you know, so crazy. We'll see. Um, I'm Everybody always thought buying a new it. car was a bad investment, Travis. Well, I think normally it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's going on? It's crazy, man. The the Tesla culture and the Tesla um, following is uh, pretty unique. I think. Wow. I, I don't know. Well, and I'll say this: like, I guess it's EVs because I think if you had gotten um, like the Ford F one fifty Lightning, if you had reserved like eight or ten of those right off, um, you could absolutely do the exact same thing. Yeah. You know, and, and I didn't even, I didn't even think about it, but I should have done that, you know, in the Mach-E when it came out, like if you would have reserved a dozen right. of them, you could have right. absolutely resold them. There's Mach-E's you can go on like Facebook marketplace and stuff. And there's Mach-E's selling for, you know, 10,000, $15,000 over, um, the price of a new one it's and crazy. people were buying them, you know? So it's wild. Man. It's interesting. Wild man. Well, hey, before we go, what what can we look forward to? Any uh, any sneak peeks to look forward to on the YouTube channel? Um, 
I'm probably going to be doing a lot of videos kind of around my scrap metal business that we're opening up because we'll be opening up in the next few weeks. I'm going to do some videos about my propane business because people keep commenting and saying, hey, you should do videos about that. Um, and then I'm going to do some videos, some more real estate videos. Like I kind of have these episodic series always kind of going and the real estate one, there's there's probably another five videos that need to be made there. I want to do one video that's kind of like everything you need to know about buying a commercial uh, strip mall um, and just talk about cap rate and all the things like if you're going to buy a, a strip mall, what you would be looking at and looking for. And then I want to do some videos of just kind of recapping the investment I made and the return I'm getting and, and all that stuff, because I haven't, I haven't really talked about all that. I, I talked about, I'm going to buy this stuff, but, right. um, and maybe some, uh, some videos on site of the actual buildings and stuff like that. The vlogs are a lot harder to film. They take way longer yeah. um, than, than what I call like a studio video. I like the, the last, like the Tesla video that I call those studio videos. I shot that in like 20 minutes and edited it in like an hour and that's like super quick yeah you know so super cool travis well thanks for coming on brother it's always fun if y'all are tuning in go give travis a subscribe at my big dumb life youtube channel and if you enjoy the gle podcast you know i'm trying to get better at giving back to everybody i get value from like travis make sure i'm commenting and liking and subscribing to their channels and and uh, making sure I'm giving them some love because I'm getting a ton of value from a whole bunch of people and, and you all get to benefit a little bit from the little bit that I retain and share with you. So if you're getting value, share this out. Give me a follow, rate it, subscribe, and uh, go ahead and leave me a review. And I sure would appreciate it. Love you all. Have a great one. Go lead everything. If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to goleadeverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go lead.